three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I am one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tallis, and I am joined in College Station and Stillwater, Oklahoma, respectively, by Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder. We have had an excellent week of football to recap and an even better week to preview this coming week. Walker Lott, Ryan Schroeder, give me your quick thoughts, starting with Walker, on last week's action and continuing looking forward to the next week. What do you What do you think about the general state of private school football as we're in right now? We had a great week last week, a lot of good games, and this week's slate is insane. Even with all the buys, the top five games of the week are really, really good, and I'm excited for this week. Absolutely. Ryan Schroeder, an absolute workhorse this weekend, a week that we weren't supposed to have a little, we we're supposed to have a little bit of a dip in content. Ryan goes to not one, but two games in Dallas this weekend. Ryan, shout out for that. And just what do you think about the the current state of private school football as we have it? Yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, got to see uh, a really really good game on Friday night, and uh, we'll recap that in a little bit. But great great couple of weeks that we've had recently, and I'm excited to get into district soon. Absolutely, we are all looking forward to district play. With district play, will come our inaugural rankings next week. We are very excited about putting those out. But yeah, I mean things are really starting to heat up, and it's a, a very interesting time in private school football right now. But before we move on to recapping players of the week and our games, we're going to start as always by recapping last week's pick record. Which, if I can read that correctly, I think I'm still on top. I am. I went 14 and four last week. I am 55 and 30 overall. Let's see. Um, it seems like Ryan comes in second with 54 and 30, going 14 and 3 last week. Walker goes 13 and 4 last week. He is 52 and 32. You know, uh, Ryan, were you going to say something? Yeah. So I want to bring up something because I made this, I, I, I put this in after Friday night and I need to talk to Walker and we need to, uh, we need to talk about this because so Wes got a double loss for uh, the game that he decided to go back on. However, should he lose a win? For for doing that as well, because it wouldn't add up, and he would be a game. There'd be just a game that he would have in front of us. I kind of like that. No, 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 that's no, no double, no double penalty. So, but, but, but you would just you'd be a game off from us the whole season, and yeah, but the percentage, the 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 percentages was I don't know that that I'm we didn't agree to two losses. It's not two losses. It's just you lose one win and you get a loss on there. I don't know. Something to think about. Let us know in the comments what you think for the pick record as well. Because right now I'm 54 and 30 and Wes is 55 and 30. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, even though we picked the same amount of games. Yeah. Wait. How? Oh, right. Right. Yeah. We, we'll go back and look at this, but I can <laughs> I can I can maybe relent to that. I think I still hey, have some negotiating leverage guys, here. Why don't we all just like lose two games and then we're all on the same record? That's what I'm feeling. No, I'll just keep this right here. I'll Ryan, I really do day. appreciate you showing me what I will be earning at the end of the no, season. It's nice no, to have a preview. It's no, nice for you to display my no. my my winnings already. No, but just, I like to keep it here on my desk just to know what I'm gonna be uh where I'm gonna be keeping it next year as well. But yeah, I think the Lord dude that would like we actually have some data on teams now because we've gone from going like eight and nine weeks and now we're back to fourteen and threes, which is much much better than uh much better than it has been in the past. But 
Moving forward, that will recap the pick records I fully anticipate on winning, regardless of the unfair penalties imposed against me. But moving into our players of the week, starting on offense, the Texas Private School Podcast Player of the Week, Antoine Polk, running back for Southwest Christian, 34 carries, 218 yards, three touchdowns, and for some bonus passing stats, two for two, 43 yards, two passing touchdowns, and a 35-34 to 34 win in overtime against Hallettsville. Take a deep breath. Oh, okay, that was a lot to say. Uh, Walker, it's your alma mater. I'll let you speak on it. Uh, just 34 carries, 218 yards, three touchdowns in a vacuum is a crazy game. You had two passing touchdowns on top of that and an overtime win. I mean, is Antoine Polk human or robot? Please elaborate. Um, a mixture of both. That's how I would say it. Um, no, man, this we've, we've talked about Antoine since last year, just how dominant of a player he is. Um, and, a, and the, when he comes up having 34 carries West is a monster thing that basically, Hey, put the team on your back, go to work and go play. Um, and just the three touchdowns and a big, big win over Hallettsville's like Hallowitzville, who went to the state championship like two, three years ago, Hallowitzville. Um, I mean, that's one impressive. And him passing the ball too, I mean, through 43 yards. So, I mean, that's not, then that means it's not like on the end zone, like just like Tim, Tim Tebow just, you know, jump pass. That means it's from probably from like the, what, the 20 yard line, something like oh that. Going, so that's just very, very impressive by Antoine, man. Two, six foot, 215 pounds. 215 pound running back is a he's a monster he's been doing this all season i know against uh, i think like trinity valley or something like that he had 285 yards and four touchdowns so he's just having a monster monster senior year um colleges need to look out for this guy because at his size he runs strong he runs forward and he runs pretty fast he's just looked better this year you know he's had he puts on a little bit more muscle he's faster he's quicker he's gonna be the real deal this year yeah, he definitely sounds like it. Ryan, your thoughts on Antoine Polk's crazy stat line and the win against Hollettsville. Yeah, it's that's an amazing win for uh SCS, but you know, that game is that game is nowhere near that score without Antoine Polk. Antoine Polk really made an impact for this SCS team. Um, and it basically was the offense for them uh on on that night. So uh, I mean, that's nuts, nuts, 34 carries, uh, alone. And, and then being able to put up 218 yards off of those 34 carries, uh, Oh my God, I, I'm watching, sorry. I'm watching it right now. The highlights, he does the fake, like, like, uh, kind of like outside stop and then throw it at, from like the 25, <laughs> like, how does he do that as a running back, bro? I don't get that. Like, that's so impressive. So, so like he kind of like runs out to the side, like he's like scrambling out, like for a run. It's and like, he, so it's it. like a, it's like a, like yeah, they had three blockers in front of him, and he's like sprinting out to do basically like a kind of a, a wildcat, like run to the right type of gotcha. thing, and then he just stops and throws it up there. That's not bad. That that's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. No, you're looking at that stat. He accounted for every single touchdown that southwest right. christian scored right. in that game but yeah i mean you just have to shout out antoine polk we've known he's been a freak since last year and he's just continuing to prove that as the season goes on so congratulations to antoine polk the texas private school podcast offensive player of the week 
Transitioning into the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, Luke Anderson. He had 18 tackles, eight solo, one sack, two tackles for loss, and a pass breakup just for the icing in a 27-20 win against Grapevine Faith last Friday. Ryan, I'm going to hand this one off to you first. You were at this game. You saw firsthand how good Luke Anderson was. What were your thoughts watching this live, this incredible performance from Luke Anderson? Yeah, I mean, whether it was offense or defensive side of the ball, Luke Anderson is elite. Um, you know, people pe- people put him at the defensive side as his primary, which you could see by 18 tackles uh, in, in everything else he did for uh, fourth Christian that he is a defensive player, but... I mean, he had two. He had two offensive, like running, t- rushing touchdowns on top of this. This is like Luke Anderson is probably the best. What I, you know, what I'm gonna say he's the best two way guy in private school right now, in my opinion. And I think you know this is this is nothing short of it. So uh, we highlighted him for his offensive stuff that he did this past weekend over on the podcast during the live during the live uh, um, coverage of it. But Luke Anderson was a menace on defense, um, looked amazing, and definitely was a reason why Grapevine Faith was not scoring on that final drive. Um, and and overall, that fourth Christian defense that Luke Anderson led uh, just looked really, really, really solid um, when they were like just like trying to keep Grapevine Faith away because Grapevine Faith never had the lead in this game, even though they were like seven, 14 points away. But we'll get more into that later. Yeah, I mean, an absolutely crazy performance. Walker, your thoughts on Luke Anderson having a crazy stat line in the win against Grapevine Faith? I mean, I think we talked about it. I forgot what episode, Wes, a while back of just how like impressive and college-ready this linebacker is. Um, his sideline to sideline speed is very, very impressive. His quick twitch, reading the defense, is just, you know, it's what you want in a linebacker. Um, and the sack as a, as a linebacker is also very impressive. Um and also just PBU, tackle for loss, sack, right? That's showing his versatility. Like, he can play everywhere on the field. If he needs to go into coverage, he can do it. If he needs to rush a passer, he can do that. If he needs to make the, just the tackles and stay in the box, he can do it. That's what you want in a linebacker, a versatile, just athlete. And you can see why colleges are after him already. Uh, congratulations, Luke Anderson, man. Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to Luke Anderson for being the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. And yeah, shout out to y'all for holding on the space while I was gone. Make sure y'all join those every Friday, literally every single Friday after the games. We go live around 10 or 10.30 p.m., depending on what time our game's in. And we just kind of, we're starting to get like a bunch of people in there. Like we average like 30, 35 viewers and we all just kind of like chill in there and y'all will submit us questions and we'll give our knee-jerk reactions to what's going on. And it's honestly one of the most fun things that we do right now, in my opinion. So make sure you join those every Friday, roughly 1030 after the game's in. But Walker, you had a six man guy that really caught your eye this week that we're going to give an honorable mention for player of the week. Let us know a little bit about Dylan Harper and his stat line. Yeah, Dylan Harper, five receptions, 85 yards and four touchdowns and a win, um, a 70 to 14 win. Nothing better than, you know, six man football over Katie Faith West. Um, he's from, I believe, Covenant Christian School down in like Willows Conroe area. Um, three sport athlete, just a monster player. Um, I'm just, you know, but I believe they're now maybe four and oh, maybe five and oh now, and they're just a really good team down there in Conroe. Uh, just really, really impressed with the kids. So, congrats to him, man. Yeah, oh, for oh, sure. wait, absolutely. He, wait, I also wanted to say he also had two interceptions, one for a pick six. So, both sides of the ball, just a player. You know, they call it the fastest game on grass for a reason. Shout out. You just got to give a big shout out 
to Dylan Harper. Congratulations. Fantastic stat line. Moving on, we are going to take a look at the Texas private school media scoreboard as we put up every week. Ryan somehow got this out this Friday after covering a game, which I still don't know how it's fully possible. But I mean, Ryan, you obviously do a great job with this every week. How did you get this out, by the way, Friday night? Yeah, so what's called? We we drove down uh, from Stillwater on Friday. Uh, I had my girlfriend um, start doing it while I was in the car on the way down, and she was getting she was putting the teams in there. And then uh, what's called? I just got home from Faith. Thank God, Faith is uh, not very far away from my house. And yeah, we while I was uh, just like every week, you know, we're on the Twitter space after the game, and we're entering in those scores. So I'm hope you all appreciate that. It's a uh, it's something that we we want to make sure that everybody has a, a centralized place because. You know, sometimes Max Preps doesn't have all the scores and sometimes all these other places don't have the scores. So trying to make sure that we have all the all the scores in one place on those Friday nights. Yeah, for sure. So just going through this and picking up some stuff that's interesting. DC beats Nolan 28 to 19. We'll talk about that in the rest of these five games in the left hand column and our recaps Uh Grace Community beat Spring Hill 40 to 21. I, you know what? I'm going to go into a very short story here why this game meant a lot to me. In um my senior year in seven on seven, going in or before my senior year in seven on seven, um, we made the we were in a state qualifier tournament. We were very good at seven on seven. Um, we got to the qualifying game to go to state against Spring Hill. Um, long story short, we had we were up by we were up by five points there were 20 seconds left in the game we just had to snap the ball basically throw it into the end zone the game would have been over um we threw a pick six and sister or spring hill returned it and beat us and ruined the chance we had to go into the state seven on seven tournament and we were talking a lot of mess back and forth that whole game that just being said I don't like Spring Hill at all, and um, I am very, very happy Grace came out and got the win 40-21 to and avenged my defeat to them four years ago that I hang on to so bitterly. Walker. Do you know the last – shout out to LSESN. Did you see this stat, Wes? No. Last, the last time Tyler Grace started 5-0 and was 2010. They finished 9-2 and that year, okay, and didn't lose until week eight, and they lost 42-35 to to Parish Episcopal, and lost in the first round to fourth Christian, 44 to 38. Their two losses on the year were third was only the 13 points. Yeah, that 2010 team was really good by what I remember. Um, you know, I'm not gonna make any bold assumptions. D2 District 2 is going to be very interesting, as me and Ryan have both said. Um Grace is giving me hope, which scares me because that means I have the ability to be let down. But also, I'm so daggum proud of that team for starting 5-0. and It means a lot, especially after the troubles they've had in the last couple of years. But enough about Grace community. I ran about them too much every week. Looking at this, Argyle Liberty beats the dog out of Bishop Lynch 43-14. to Preston Woods smacks Cornerstone 44-7. to Bishop Dunn also smacks St. Pius. Walker, that would be your squad, 40-16. St. John's continues its dominant path 49-7. Cistercian over Grace Prep 52 to 42. I don't need to read every single one of these, but John Cooper smacks Oak Ridge. Um, Trinity Valley uh, destroys Houston Christian. Um, yeah, Pantigo Christian beats Legacy by four. Um, Southwest Christian beats Hallettsville. Yeah, so that's about the main things I'm seeing out here. Oh, and Austin Regents destroys San Antonio Christian 55 <laughs> to zero. So those are the main scores that stand out to me. Um, Ryan, this is your scoreboard. I'll turn to you first. What did you think about, is there anything else that stands out to you or anything you want to add to from last week's scoreboard? Yeah, I mean, there was, I was trying to put as many games as I could on here that I thought 
you know, obviously we try to put our those were the games that we cut that we uh um that we pick first, but uh the one that obviously that I was upset about just like we go to Pantigo, Legacy does, and we go to Pantigo, lose by four, you know, that really stings. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, Lake Country, it's a great win over Houston Northland, uh, because uh, Houston Northland uh, has Stone Walker and uh, he's a really, really good athlete from what we've heard this year. Uh, and you know, the rest of these games, uh, we, we had a really good pick record this week, so I think things went probably where we thought they were going to go. Um, you know, obviously, that Coram Dale game was a game we're going to cover later and stuff, but lots of different uh things on the slate this week that uh. That we we mostly got right. I, I think there really wasn't a lot. Obviously, that Southwest game is crazy over Hallettsville, but um, yeah, I think I think it was a pretty pretty standard week. Uh, and then obviously there were some Saturday games that we don't have on here, but um, the Saturday games, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, TCA Addison was a Saturday game, um, and then the ESD game that I went to was just, and Midland Christian was also a Saturday game. So uh, I can pull up those scores while you are talking if you want. Yeah, for sure. Walker, your your brief thoughts on the TXPS media scoreboard. Uh Dallas Covenant, five and zero, baby. They keep going and taps D three. It's a very, very impressive team. Um, you know, you know, they still have to play, you know, Brook Hill, Dallas Christian, but some of those coaches over there just, you know, reached out to us and put us in this uh Twitter space, told us, Hey, keep looking at us and looking at this team. And hey, we gotta give them credit where credit's due. And they're five and zero going into the district. I'm excited to see how this turns out. I gotta give up to my boys over a big, big 3A power in Howitzville. Uh, 35-34 went in overtime. You know, like we talked about, Antoine Polk did really good. Maddox McCarroll on the defensive side did really good. Uh, I think uh, Christian Wells had two of those touchdowns that uh, Antoine threw. I mean, it's just a balanced team, man. You know, you go into, against, go into overtime and winning is always just so impressive. So uh, congrats to those guys, Eagle Pride. And, uh, yeah, man, just congrats to those boys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, congratulations to Southwest Christian and everyone else that won last week. But with the conclusion of that, we are now actually going to recap the five games we previewed last week, starting with Dallas Christian versus Nolan Catholic. DC beat Nolan 28 to 19. And the trio of Carney, Nettles, and Hernandez showed why DC is still top dogs. Carney throws for almost 300 yards and a touchdown and rushes for another 60. Nettles goes for 151 yards re- receiving and a touchdown, while workhorse Hernandez ran for 168 yards and a touchdown of his own. Defensively, Senior Austin Ellis had 18 total tackles. Junior Chris Scott had 16 and a tackle for loss. Junior Devontae High had 15 tackles. Junior Porter Nix had 10 and two tackles for loss. Just an absolutely ferocious effort by the Charger defense. Senior Franklin Michael also had an interception on the contest. At the end of the day, you cannot fault the Vikings for this loss. Dallas Christian, regardless of division, is one of the best programs in the state and still is a rolling ball of chainsaws. Walker, Nolan versus Dallas Christian. DC gets the win here. I don't think this really has any bad implications for Nolan. DC is still just that good, even though they're a D3 team. Your thoughts on the outcome of this game? That's a big, hey, you brought it back, huh? You brought back the rolling ball of chainsaws. And that's a big compliment if y'all didn't know. You know, we talk highly of DC, but that's a big, big compliment bringing it back to that squad. Um, Yeah, I mean, Dallas Christian is Dallas Christian, and we've known it for a while. And we whenever we do uh, our rankings for private schools, I mean, they're going to have to be right up there for some of the best out there. So you have to give credit where credit's due. Um, 
don't know, man. This is it's very intriguing. Um, locking down Cole Matsua and Antonio Hall and all those guys over there. It's just it's a very impressive win for that defense. And how how having you name just all those guys who just had multiple and double digit tackles is just impressive. I mean, that's uh that defense locked down that Nolan team, which um the if you know DC, they're known for their defense. And then on the other side, being able to have Carney throwing for three hundred. I mean, that's nuts. That team just had a field day that week against Nolan Catholic, which, but Nolan Catholic is going to bounce back and do good in district, I think. But what a win for DC. Oh, absolutely. And even no context, TXPS, that guy uh, had to let everyone know that I've been rocking with DC since 2020 with the rolling ball chainsaw stuff. So nice, nice for that guy to to tweet out at us again. But Ryan, your thoughts on Nolan versus Dallas Christian, DC getting the win here. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I always picked DC. I, I was telling Walker during the space, and anybody that was on the space, I'm, I'm walking to my car as my dad's picking me up from the Faith uh, uh, Fourth Christian game, and he goes, "Why did you pick against DC? You know better than that." <laughs> and I go, "Dad, you don't understand. I, I, I saw D one versus D three, and I just, I couldn't do it." And and he goes, "Well, you're wrong." And so I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I was very much wrong. My dad knows how good DC is. Obviously, you know. He was there and he saw all the legacy playoff games against DC. He knows how good they are. Uh, and so I should have known that like DC is, it's just been that team forever, man. Uh, like uh, Carney Nettles uh, are just, that whole team is just so impressive. And that known Catholic team is very impressive as well. So to beat a team like Nolan Catholic uh, just proves that DC at the end of the day is, is just nutty for d3 like like they're like they're insane for how good they are with with like with it just being in division three i we we have to you know if the rankings come out this next week whatever uh and you're upset that a d3 team is going to be top five then i'm gonna tell you right now then you don't know what you're talking about because this team literally could be pro this team could probably be your team i'm gonna tell you that right now unless you're a couple different teams but uh yeah, DC's very, very tough team to beat this year. And I, I don't see them losing a single game in district. You know, following um following their game Friday, we got a comment on our last video that says, Seriously, it's getting embarrassing for you. At least the dude in the middle seems to get it. I mean, I don't know who the dude in the middle is they're referring to, but I guess he gets it. Yeah, guys, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know how y'all picked against DC in that spot. And yet again, I can't stress enough, no disrespect to Nolan Catholic, but you you don't pick against Dallas Christian. There are maybe two or three teams in the state you can pick against DC when they play. And I'm I was reminded of that earlier this year and the state championship last year i'm not going to make that mistake again and hopefully y'all don't either however we will now move into the second game we're going to recap that is fort worth christian versus grapevine faith ryan you were at this game live so take it away yes my friday night game uh fort worth christian ended up defeating faith 27 to 20 um you know although grapevine faith never led in this game they were really never out of it uh with the final being uh, just a seven point game in favor of fort worth christian uh, faithfully put in a put a, up a battle. Both starting quarterbacks threw for over 250 yards. Everyone needs to know that this rivalry is not dead at all. Um, you know, 2025 quarterback Hogan Nelson threw the ball to a variety of his wide receivers, guys like Addison uh, Kirtan, uh, Jacob Trimble, Jordan Green, Bryce Bradley. They all received about four to five catches apiece. Um, but you know, the two touchdowns came on the run from the two sided player that we already talked about, Luke Anderson. Um, 
you know, he literally put it in on defense, but it doesn't matter. He still scored two of the touchdowns for them on offense. So Luke Anderson was that all around guy for them. Uh, Trimble may have not have had a touchdown um, receiving, but he took, he had a kick six that I think if I'm not mistaken, his his sixth touchdown of the year already. So, you know, Trimble is doing amazing things uh, this year for fourth Christian. I took that back over 80 yards. Uh, and then for faith, you know, quarterback chase cross uh, played an, a great game. Uh, and then it's against his uh, uh, his brother's alma mater, Carson. Carson went to Fourth Christian, and he and Carson and the family were all in attendance for this game. Uh, and and Chase played as best he could. You know, he tried to uh, string along a final drive to tie it back up, and um, you know things came short. A great, almost like 40, 50 yard pass down the field. Uh, I thought was going to put them in perfect position to go right marching down the field with less than a minute left. Um, and yeah, he did. He did all he could. Uh, the main player of the game for Faith, though, had it had to be 2024 running back Clayton Sebecki. Uh, he had 250 uh, total yards, uh, with that being rushing and uh, receiving, uh, and then he had a rushing and receiving touchdown apiece as well. So, a uh, great game from Clayton Sebecki, and you could see that Faith loves to use Sebecki, whether that be through the air or whether that be on the ground. Um, and then Raybuck is is as the other guy for that team. You know, him and Raybuck go hand in hand with each other. Uh, he's a transfer from Quorum Dale. Um, and yeah, he also had a touchdown in this game. So, uh, I think the two of them will be that key, uh, you know, uh, two punch, uh, for great fine faith, uh, for, you know, him and, uh, what's called Sebeki and Raybuck. But I have a little question for y'all, uh, going back to fourth Christian with Argyle Liberty playing very well and fourth Christian being undefeated. Are these two teams, the favorites going into that district? So for context, that district is made up of Fort Worth All Saints, Fort Worth Christian, Liberty Argyle, Midland Christian, and Southwest Christian. Um, I'm going to say yes. I think they have to be. Um, SCS is an honorable mention right there, but that loss to Grace Prep, I think, disqualifies them for being in those top two teams right now. Over that Holtz, Although that Haltsville win is good for them. But, you know, Midland has started out one and four. Um, you know, some of these they, they've lost to good teams, but that 37 to 14 against Regents makes me really, really iffy on them. Um, fourth All Saints is two and three. They lost to Prestonwood and Nolan. Um, you know, fourth All Saints also, I think I could see them coming back in that conversation. But for right now, to answer your question, yeah, I think fourth Christian and Liberty, a team that we thought we were going to finish last in this district, are the two favorites right now. Walker, what do you think about it? I think you're absolutely correct. I think Liberty and Argyle are the one and two, one A, one B type of thing. Um, I, I don't know how this this district district is going to go, man. This is. This is insane, and I'm very excited to see how it plays out. No, yeah, and that's the scary thing is I can see, I mean, somehow, if there's any one in four team that is going to play their way back into this district, it would be Midland Christian. So I don't think we can – I think we can say right now the best two teams are probably FWC and Argyle Liberty. But, I mean, if things look completely different at the end of district, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. But that concludes the analysis on that game. And now we move into Coram Deo versus St. Mark's. Senior quarterback Asher Wilburn throws for 261 yards and four touchdowns as St. Mark's beats Coram Deo 44-21 in another game that I chose incorrectly. Senior running back Keats Leffel contributed heavily on the ground, rushing for 132 yards and a touchdown. Junior Lucas Blumenthal had a great night receiving, going for nine grabs, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. Looking at Coram Deo, senior Keegan Luna had six grabs, 105 yards, and a touchdown from senior Samuel Johnson, who had 270 yards passing as the Lions dropped the game here. You know, 
I mean, I was just straight up wrong in this game. St. Mark's um, was a better team than I anticipated. I don't think Coram Day was bad by any measure, but I think, you know, I think with this, you know, 23-point loss to St. Mark's, that's kind of a red flag moving into this district as as Coram Deo and Legacy's stock seems to be dropping. Grace Communities and Grapevine Faith seems to be rising. I think you might start to see a real discrepancy between teams in this district with Bishop Dunn doing well as well. So I think right now, I actually, I'm not going to get too far into that speculation. We're talking about this individual game. Walker, what are your thoughts on St. Mark's best in Coram Deo here? I mean, I think it shows that, hey, Dallas St. Mark's is not at like a just walk in the park, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Dallas St. Mark's might not be one of the top three teams in SBC 4A, but they're not to be like just belittled and stuff like that. And Asher Wilburn uh, coming into his first year had a great game against Cormdale. Um And so they've always had a couple athletes here and there. And, you know, Wilburn's one of them. Like you said, LaFell is one of them. Um, Lucas Bloom, Blumenhall, I think he's another good player. And we talked about Henry Yes this last week, who's a dog at, as a 2025. So they have guys, look out for them. But yeah, um, congrats on St. Mark's. And I was the one that picked St. Mark's, and I knew uh, this team was the real deal. So, well, I mean, if Ryan Schroeder didn't just pay a tail all my picks, then maybe there would be some difference. <laughs> okay i'm sorry ryan that was unnecessary and i mean you're you're gaining on me in the pick record so i guess that was kind of unwarranted and hey even though you only got one word to pick this game you get an unlimited amount of words to recap this game so go ahead and, and tell us what you think yeah i obviously i thought Cormdale, uh you know was gonna be right there with uh st marks in this game but st marks is proving to be a really 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 good team all the SBC teams actually look pretty good this year which is kind of ironic uh, you know, they, they come to take on all these TAP teams and the SBC has just looked almost kind of superior to TAPs in some aspects. So uh, St. Mark's uh, was has played very, very well. I know they have a couple wins this season. They, they beat my legacy Eagles for that matter. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's uh, Asher Wolverine had a great, great game. Um, and overall, I think the St. Mark's team, you know, although they play in an SBC that is filled with a lot of like, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of filled with a lot of teams that I think will be very, very talented. I think they can get a couple wins in there, uh, in their, in their district. Um, you know, it's going to be a very, very hard district schedule for them, but yeah, I think the real question comes at this point is Coram Deo, uh, going to be able to compete. You know, you have three spots that you have in that, in that district for legacy Bishop done all that kind of stuff with grace. Um, are are Quorum Dale and Legacy going to be left out? Um, I think that's I think that's the question. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. We'll talk more in depth about that when it becomes time. But moving on to the next game, we're going to recap. It is Second Baptist versus Kincaid, and probably one of my worst performances on this podcast to date. Um, just straight up embarrassing by me. Kincaid loses forty, or Kincaid wins forty-four to thirty-one over Second Baptist in a come-from-behind victory. Um, yeah, I um, it's no secret that I picked Kincaid on the broadcast, and then after we learned that uh, David Capobianco hadn't played this season and was out, I freaked out, got cold feet, and did something unprecedented and switched my pick to Second Baptist, which looked like a good idea because it was 24 to 17 Second Baptist at the end of the first half. And then the wheels just started to come off the bus for Second Baptist in the second half. They more or less crumbled defensively and stalled offensively as Micah Bell ran all over this defense, taking some snaps at Wildcat as well and running for several long touchdowns. 
Now, although Micah said that he couldn't take our podcast seriously, is it time to start taking Kincaid more seriously after this big win against Second Baptist? Walker, your thoughts? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think we always sometimes forget that we have the best player in private school with you know at uh is on that Kincaid team. Um he's just a monster, man. Um, and you know, like sometimes in the in games, you just gotta give it to your best ball player and let them go to work, and that's exactly what they did. Um they did it with Dylan Bell last year. They're doing it with Micah this year. Um, you just got to respect them. Um, you know, there's other guys for sure in that uh, K team. You can't win a game by yourself. But when you have a guy going to Notre Dame, it is for sure helpful. And, uh, yeah, I mean, credit to Kincaid. Uh, I don't know. I can't tell you right now, man, if it's second Baptist is not as good as we expected or just played a very, very tough non-district schedule. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they do in district. But yeah, big big win for Kincaid, and with SBC district starting back up, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they all do. Yeah, for sure. I think I gave my very brief thoughts on this on the Twitter space when I talked for like forty five seconds in downtown Dallas after I got out of my Uber. But I don't think it's necessarily time to bail on Second Baptist. I, I think they're still a solid team. You know, they have Murdoch, Chris, Kyle Cormorgan, other players. I think they're still a good. Team, and they haven't even hit district play yet. So there's even more time for them to, you know, iron out these kinks. But I think there's certain issues. There's a certain one dimensity to their offense they need to get figured out. But I think these are certainly problems that they can iron out. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Kincaid beating Second Baptist here? You know, I, I've known Kincaid has been that team. I saw Micah play last year. Uh, I'm very, very, very high on um I'm very high on Micah Bell, and I think I last year when I saw Dylan and Micah playing together, um, I was very high on the two of them. And you know what? I actually uh, did not know that uh, Mr. Uh, oh, Bianco, whatever's uh, Capo Bianco, Mr. Capo Bianco was going to be out for this game. Uh, no one told me that, so uh, and <laughs> I don't think that would have changed my decision just because I know how good Micah is. Uh, but yeah, Second Baptist did all they could. Um, I think I think this is just a game where you know Second Baptist really just can't outdo uh, a guy like Micah, uh, especially when the bloodline has guys playing at Georgia and getting playing time at Georgia. So uh, yeah, nothing that Second Baptist can do in this game. And I think I think Kincaid, you know, we, the SBC is so good. I don't know. You got St. John's. You got ESD. Uh, there's a lot, it's going to be very competitive for that for a, uh, SBC championship spot. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely time to start giving Kincaid the respect they deserve. And we will certainly see that when they take on one of the best teams in private school in St. Thomas later this week. More on that later. Moving into the next game, we're going to recap that is Weatherford Christian at Munster Sacred Heart. Final score, Sacred Heart 20, Weatherford 13, and another game I was just flat out incorrect on. The Tigers best the new kids on the block here, 20 to 13, and a battle of D4 heavyweight contenders. The main story here is junior athlete Ryan Swarzynski he literally sent us a DM on how to pronounce his name and I still butchered it Ryan Swarzynski the star athlete rushed 33 times for 200 yards and two touchdowns I mean he showed his potential all of last season and he's turning into a full-fledged star right before our eyes I mean Walker uh, Sacred Heart has announced they are here to stay they did it last week and they did it again this week against Weatherford your thoughts on the Tigers getting the big win here that's a massive win 
for Sacred Heart. I honestly thought going into the season, I thought Weatherford, or Weatherford was the team to be in the Taps Division 4. And it's proven definitely now that what Munster Sacred Heart is the team to be in Taps Division 4. Um, there's a big win. And th- the fact that Swarzynski is a junior means they have two more, another year of this guy next year. Um, and probably what some other younger guys on the come up to come help him out. So, um, it's just going to be very interesting to see how far uh, Ryan can take him in this team, but uh, can they take him back to the state championship again this year? That's going to be a hard task, uh, hard task to do with Weatherford again. I mean, it's a seven point win, so it's still a close game, but so you're going to have to probably face Weatherford again. You're going to have to face Lubbock Christian again, probably in the playoffs, which that's going to be a big matchup this week that we'll talk about later. But yeah, I mean, a big, big win for Sacred Heart. Uh, another big win. Certainly. So from one Ryan to another, Mr. Schroeder, what are your thoughts to Mr. Swarzynski and the Sacred Heart team on his performance and their big win over Weatherford Christian? I've been so high on Swarzynski. Like, I literally was high on him when I when I saw him when the, on, the, on the Shiner game. I When I saw them there on the slate for Shiner, I picked them because of how good I th- thought Ryan Swarzynski is. Like, in my opinion, he is... Yeah, he's the best player in D four. Um, I, I think I think I can I could say that unless unless anyone wants to make a you can say Stone Walker's very very good player. Max uh, Townsend, Townsend's a very very good player. But I don't know, man. There's no other guy that leads his team like Swarzynski leads the Sacred Heart. Um, and I think that you know they go they go and beat Weatherford Christian, a team that you know is probably probably about their skill level. I'd say. Um, so. I think that's just very, very impressive from him. And yeah, when you see him rushing 33 times in a game, you can get the understanding that he gets the ball a lot. So uh great win for uh Munster Sacred Heart here. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're one of my favorites to win D4 for sure. So I think we're going to get a great opportunity to see if any anyone else leads their team like Swarzynski this week when Sacred Heart plays Lubbock Christian. We'll get to see if Bax Townsend leads his team like Swarzynski leads his team. More on that later. Moving into the last game, we're going to recap. That would be Sabine shout out East Texas at ESD at or not at ESD versus ESD at the Star. Um, this game was very interesting. Ryan, you want to you want to explain what you saw here at the Star on Saturday? You know, Sabine is a really elite team. Uh, well, you know what? This isn't this isn't a UIL podcast, so I can kind of go off on Sabine a little bit. Uh, Sabine. Sabine uh, in, in my opinion, w- w- you know, wasn't one of the best teams I've ever seen, but ESD still had a great performance. You know, ESD put up numbers like no other. Uh, they, they played all their starters until the end of the first quarter. After the first quarter, it was just, you know, kind of a mob show. But I'm going to tell you how it is. ESD is good. Sabine is very bad. After the first quarter, ESD was up 41 nothing, and they decided to take out the majority of the starters at that quarter break. 2023 quarterback Patrick Burke threw over 112 yards and two touchdowns before being taken out of the game. And then 2024 running back Colin Nicholson had two touchdowns for the Eagles as well. Uh, the craziest play of the night uh, came from a high snap over uh, 2025 quarterback Johnny Willingham's head, where he picked the ball up off the ground, then threw the ball downfield. It bounces off of Hutch Chipman's hands and like the defender's hands, bounces into the air, lands in Charlie Newhoff's uh, hands, and then he takes it in for the touchdown. Um, if you couldn't understand that from what I just said, I would recommend checking out 
our, on the Twitter what kind of play this was. This was nuts. Um, had to be one of the craziest plays of the night. Uh, but yeah, and then the guy that I think deserves so much respect to be talking about is 2024 DB Jackson Pennington. Uh, great night. He had two interceptions, one of those being for a pick six. I think it was the second touchdown of the game. Um, the second touchdown of the game came with uh, 11 minutes remaining in the in the first quarter. So I think you could get a pretty good idea how this game went. Um, but overall, this is a team that really isn't afraid of anyone. And uh, they are coming up on a really big matchup this week. So, um, you know, after Sabine with a with a 54.1 win and a shutout, uh, you will not see a 54.1 in a shutout this next week. Um, and they got a hard matchup that we'll, um, we'll preview in a little bit. Certainly, and we are very excited to do that. But yeah, ESD is obviously a great team. I'm very, very excited to preview that game for them this Friday. But our last segment, before we get into our games of the week, we're just going to give some other news, some miscellaneous stuff. And a good question that we got on the last space is to name our surprises and disappointments from the seasons. I'm just going to say teams that... So I don't like the word surprises, really. I'm going to say teams that have performed well and have performed lower than expectations. It's teams that have performed well, I think Liberty Argyle, Fort Worth Christian, and Sacred Heart come to mind. I think Sacred Heart, twice I picked against them, and twice they have proved me wrong. Uh, Fort Worth Christian starting 4-0, I think. Liberty Christian also having a great start, going from basically, in my projections, the seller of that district to I'm projecting them at the top now. I think they're all going to be very good this year. Disappointments, uh, Midland Christian as performing under what I thought to this extent. Um, I'm not really worried or concerned by the losses to the public schools. I am with that that loss to uh, to Regents, and it wasn't even particularly close. Um, I'm going to need to see something out of them quickly in district if I want to get back on that wagon. And Trinity Christian Addison, you know, I don't think they're a bad team necessarily. I don't think they're a bad team, but they've lost they've lost a lot of games to start the season, and it's going to be very interesting to see to what extent they can bounce back and compete in that district now that they're back in a district. Walker, you have any thoughts on surprises and um, underperforming teams from the season? No, uh, I think you're kind of aligned in what I was thinking. The only team that kind of has been lower than expectation is probably St. Michael's just because they've gotten yeah. hurt a lot of the weeks. So that's another big one. Surprises. I think an, another one that's like raised expectation is Lutheran South having the great start that they had. Um, uh, I think that's just, you know, having a good team and it's going to be exciting to see how they do in district. But um yeah, I think there's some other ones for sure. But yeah, I think those are some of the ones that are on the top of my head. I also thought about. Wait. Oh, yeah. What about Tyler Grace? Tyler Grace. Absolutely. I can't believe I didn't think of that. I think I've talked so much about Grace before that I just blocked it out here. But yeah, certainly Grace has had a great non-district slate. And I don't want to jinx anything, but let's hope they can uh, they can carry it forward into district. Ryan, your thoughts on surprises and disappointments from the young season? I mean, you, you all got it pretty much right. I, I'm so surprised by that Liberty team. I mean, that, that is just something that we got totally wrong. Um, you know, they are uh, absolutely becoming the best team um, in that district for sure. Um, and then, yeah, then Sacred Heart, you know, it's a team that um, team that has done very, very well with Sr- Um, And so that has been very impressive. But yeah, 
I, I mean, I, I keep saying disappointment wise, TCA Addison's one where you thought they were going to come after having a really, really good season um, in the independent side of taps last year, coming in to D1 again, you thought they were going to put up a pretty good bout. And they haven't really played any uh, district games yet. So I can't really talk to that, but they are 0 and 5. Um, and, you know, that that is something that you would have thought. But yeah, the St. Michael's one is a big one as well. You hate seeing those injuries and stuff like that because there's so much potential with that team. So, um, but yeah, I'm. I, there's something that I don't even know about some of these teams as well. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, if we're on a positive side, I, I'm very happy to see uh, how Liberty has been playing. Uh, I, you know what I'm gonna say? It wasn't really a surprise, but I'm I'm glad of how well they've turned out after the coaching change. Prestonwood, I think Prestonwood's a good one to put on there. You know, they've been pretty pretty good for a while but they had the coaching change of Cunningham going to Midland and they lost that first game but they haven't lost since then so it's like you know I think that's a kind of a good surprise as well yeah I mean that's a good point I think all of those teams have you know exceeded expectations to that extent so congratulations to them and we'll see I mean I think I think with some of these teams that have been underperforming it's more of something where you can you can pick teams when they're at their low, when they're at kind of a low, a low stock price. If I'm saying this correctly, I think that there's some teams here that are underperforming now that really have a chance to pick up in district. So I think there, no team is dead in the water by any means at this point. I think every team has a great opportunity to pick it up moving forward, but the last thing that we will cover before we move into our games of the week, um, you know, Etta, we, I mean, arguably the best player in all of private school. We haven't talked a lot about him this season so far, but he's been putting up some crazy stats in four games. He has 46 tackles, 12 TFL, seven sacks, four fumble recoveries, two block punts, all while every team is scheming and running every single play away from him because he is far and away the best player on the field in every game he plays. Walker, you know, Etta, haven't talked a lot about him yet this season, but I mean, we got to give him his flowers now. You're thoughts on the the edge players dominant season to this point yeah i mean it's it's what you expect from me now at a taps division three um the highest ranking commit in the michigan's 2023 class by the way this that's a big honor for him but um i mean yeah you know covenant has done done good they're zero and four this year but uh anna is still getting his man um i mean they're probably what scheming away from him and running away from him every single play because no one's going to be able to block him in Taps Division Three, and that's what you expect. And he's still doing really, really good. But um, very, very impressive performance. You know, one of the best guys who stayed loyal all four years of high school to Covenant Christian, which a lot of guys couldn't wouldn't do that. You know, but you got to give him his flowers. That the big four star top what 150 player in the country decides to stay in Taps Division Three at Covenant Christian um, and spends his education and career there. And you got to give credit or not. You got to look out for his younger brother. Who's a 2025, I believe who looks like he'll be the next one. And that uh, at a family to be very, very dominant in the game of football. Absolutely. Ryan, your thoughts on, you know, at a stat line up to this point. He's a very, very impressive. And I think we've known how good he's been for a while. Obviously, you know, the thing with him has been uh, he's played on that covenant team in 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 d3 this entire time and i think we kept talking about even you can go back to some of our clips i mean even like on the on the first uh season of the podcast and we're talking about talking about Etta, and we're talking about how uh we're like yeah d3 has d1 talent and and little did we know that d3 has the best talent in uh in all of private school uh he is 
like probably the best player to come out uh this year. So, um, I think I think it's just it's cool. It's cool to see that you can see guys this low, um, in like the in like a you know the the school size kind of yeah. private school, and you can still see them going to Michigan, right? I mean that's that's and he's and he's gonna play at Michigan too eventually after a couple of years. So like it's it's just it's very impressive, and I'm I'm very happy. And you're so right, Walker, about the loyalty. Like that is straight loyalty to Covenant Christian. So um, all power to him. I mean that's 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 a that's a really really impressive thing for him to do. And Absolutely. We were, and the thing about it is, right, like like mentioning what you said, Ryan, we were the first person to talk about Enel at a NL at a out of any media source anywhere. And so it shows like, hey, we kind of know what we're talking about here in uh on our podcast. But um just seeing the rise that he's done the past couple of years is just very, very impressive. From a guy who this was his first year playing football to learning the game of football to changing his body into just an absolute unit over a couple of years. Um, the the time, the effort, the discipline, the commitment he's put in the past couple of years to get to where he is today is just amazing. And you got to give credit to him. Um, and it kind of shows guys, hey, like you're on this podcast, you're listening to this podcast, and you might be from Tabs Division Four, Division Three, SPC Three A, some of the smaller divisions. There's guy, you can make it if you have what it takes. You have the talent, you can make it. It it doesn't take, you know, the big schools to do it. If you can play, they will find you. You just got to be able to play. And that's all I want to say to that because some guys sometimes want to leave and do all that when you can play at your division and at your level and still be dominant. I mean, uh, for example, uh, Shiner, Shiner, right? Shiner St. Paul. Uh, they have another school in Shiner. Uh, A&M has, an, has a commitment from a kid from Shiner, which is like a 2A high school. Um Hallettsville, 3A, Jonathan Brooks that went to Texas the past couple of years. There's guys from smaller schools and that would private schools would beat those teams that went and committed um, and went and played at a Division One level. I just want to say, you can play at the smallest private schools, and that's why we want to give recognition to private schools because some people give it a bad credit, but there's talent in every single division of TAPS, SBC, TCAL, TCAF. It is what it is. Very well stated, but that will actually conclude um, the first half of this episode. And we're actually going to cut now and you'll see us. Well, in a few seconds for us, it'll be tomorrow. And we were going to have a special guest picker for this episode. I'm very excited to debut who that will be, but see you in a second. And welcome back. We are now going to do our pick section of the episode. And as you'll see, there were three people before. Now we have four. I don't know how that happened, but we have Palmer Nix here with us today as a guest picker. Palmer Nix is a graduate of Dallas Christian, played at Georgetown, is now at TCU back around the DFW area. Palmer, how are you doing today? And what are you thinking of being a guest picker today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm excited to be uh guest picker i kind of got to do that a couple weeks ago but now i'm uh excited to be in the fray and get to make these picks live and uh have to face the music afterwards so i'm excited oh yeah for sure trust me you'll have to face you'll have to face some criticism from the audience we you have to do what we do every week but i do have to we do have to shoot this off a little bit because we both me and walker played against 
Palmer. And I went back and reviewed the film and confirmed Palmer is without a doubt one of the scariest people I ever played against in high school. Uh, the dude was, I just remember like, because everyone knew who Palmer Nix was in our division, at least. I mean, you were the, you were the, district and division MVP if I remember correctly just an absolute freak at linebacker and I just remember like going out there on defense I'm like please don't let this dude pancake the ever-living goodness out of me I was like that would look very very bad but I mean Palmer what are you what are some of your fondest memories of playing at DC and just kind of dominating taps well I gotta be honest there's a lot of a lot of great memories um in my career I was fortunate enough to, to get to play on varsity my freshman year so it was a long um kind of high school career, uh, getting four years of it. Um, you know, going to state, uh, freshman and sophomore year, that was an incredible memory. Um, obviously, falling short of both of those has made it a little bit less sweet, that's for sure. But um, no, just great, uh, great memories and, and, you know, forming bonds and, and brotherhoods with guys that I still connect with on a weekly basis um, whenever I was 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, you know, I, I think the nature of taps is that, you know, every, every year there's going to be one or two teams that kind of, um, you know, might stand out from, from other teams, but whenever, once you hit playoffs and, and once you're definitely in district play and, and stuff like that, uh, things can get, uh, you know, a lot tighter than what you'd expect from the outside looking in. So I always look forward to the playoffs and, you know, on paper, you might say, Hey, DC should win by X amount or, or vice versa, but once you're out there playing on the field. Um, you know, all that goes away. So I, I really enjoyed kind of that challenge and um, getting to play with a lot of different people because we'd have, uh, you know, two or three tr transfers come in from different schools each year and getting to meet new people. But um, yeah, and then really just uh, offensively kind of getting to be kind of a, a jack of all trades, getting to play some uh, wing back my freshman year, um, getting to play a fullback. Uh, sophomore, junior, senior year, and then uh, depending on what offense, because we all know the infamous single wing that we run, but then we'd also sit there and put Garrett Cody at quarterback and, and spread it out and go five wide. Um, and get to do a little bit of wildcat quarterback. That was my favorite part, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Cody was a, yeah, Cody was a dog back in the day, man. I remember he just tore our defense up most of those times playing him, man. Yeah, he was a, he was an athlete, man, for sure. But yeah, playing uh personally, like the most selfish answer I would have to give would be Wildcat quarterback because it felt <laughs> like little school again and just getting to go run. And it was fun. No, for sure. Yeah, I like what you said about the playoffs because that is what a lot of people say. It's when the season really starts. You know, you can do however well you do in district, but everyone is 0-0 going to the playoffs. And I think that's a mindset that D.C. has adopted, and it's a reason why there have been such a traditional talent under Mike Wheeler up to this point. I do have to ask you a question, though, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think it was your senior year. One of y'all's running backs was number 10. He did this, like, really weird, like, we called it the coral spin. It was this really weird spin thing, and none of us could tackle. What is that dude's name? Garrett Gilcrease. And I That's love that who it is. I love that y'all coined a term for it because we would dog him and film about it. And <laughs> you're probably going to see this. But we would call it the, uh, uh, I guess, just to give you a little bit of background, he has like a really long torso <laughs> and really, really little legs. And we would call it the torso tornado. <laughs> so, yeah. He anytime he uh, pulled that out of his bag of tricks, we you know we made sure to give him a hard time about it, and it it, it seemed to work pretty much every time. I think he was like the perfect like six for six on it on the year, but yeah, I don't know, kind of unexplainable. I'd never seen anything like it. Still haven't. 
dude, it worked against us. I was going back and watching yeah. film and I was watching your film just to, you know, jog some memories. And I saw him do that. And it just made me remember that dude did that against me. And I was like, in real time, I was like, what is going on? I've never seen anything like that, but I guess it worked. So shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, bro. That, uh, that proves kind of the, the long lasting kind of, uh, thought that we had on it, which was just, we were assuming that in real time, a defender is thinking like, they're just confused. I'm like, what do I, what's going on? And then <laughs> next thing you know, he's gone. But yeah, definitely an, an interesting uh, move, but I think it, you know, it panned out. The torso tornado. That is arguably the best thing I've ever heard. Walker, do you have anything else you want to, you want to ask Palmer? Do you remember playing us and putting up like 60 on us? I believe that first game, your junior year, first round of playoffs. I remember I was watching highlights as well. And your second play is literally coming off the edge unblocked and killing our freshman quarterback at that time who weighed probably a buck 40. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, that, yeah. I kind of felt bad. For the yeah. It happens. You know, it's, it, we weren't good. Now we're, we're really good now. So it's, you know, the tide changes every year, but um, yeah. speaking of that, speaking of that, um, you know, how like some programs, you know, go down, they go up. The, the, the culture of Dallas Christian keeps y'all consistently on the top year after year after year. Can you talk about like the culture that Coach Wheeler has set there and kind of just the overall environment of Dallas Christian? Absolutely. And I'm going to start with a quick uh, sidebar about that play because that, that kind of jogged my memory. Um, I remember going off to the sideline and my coach kind of barked at me a little bit because. I was really supposed to be man on the uh, tight end. Yeah, and he went off. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was in my ear about. But whenever, I don't know, I, in high school, I relied a bunch on instinct, and I kind of just felt that it was going to be a play action, and that if I just kind of shot the edge and could go on block, then you know, it turned out well being the forced fumble or whatever. But, yeah, that's why I remember that one, because I got kind of got a earful. But he told me I made up for it. But, yeah. It's yeah, you, that was one of the – I, I remember ball snap. Like it wasn't a design. It wasn't no. a design. Well, yeah, I just remember ball snap and just seeing my quarterback in the backfield. Like that's, it happened so quickly. And uh, from there, like that moment, I was like, okay, this guy's for real. Like seeing it on film, I was like, all right, I know this guy's for real. But playing, that was like one of the first plays of the game too. I remember it was like one of our first drives yeah. and it was just nuts. But yeah, if you want to yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. Sure. No, nuts. I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, uh, so Coach Wheeler obviously has done a great job, and I actually just sent him a video the other day for his. Sorry, I uh, just sent a video the other day for his 300th win. Um, you know, I think he's second right now in active coaches um, in Texas and uh, wins. And I think something that, you know, there's obviously a lot of funny stories that come out with him. He's he's an old school mentality coach, but I think, you know, going from the high school level to FCS. Uh, for four years and then now at the power five I think it ranks true across whether it's any three of those um, levels of football is that you know you have to have a you have to have a sense of team and as cliche as that sounds you can't have a bunch of individuals and that's probably the number one thing that you would preach is that it doesn't matter if you're some four or five star recruit it doesn't matter if you have been here since kindergarten and you just happen to be on the team or whatever it is um you know, I think there was a real sense of like equality amongst the players. Um, from his level, he wouldn't, you know, there's no special treatment. Like he's sitting in there, you know, in my ear after I won some 
player, player of the week award and I'd missed a block in practice. And he goes, Oh, you, you won an award. And now all of a sudden you don't think you have to block, you know, like that stuck out to me. Uh, so, you know, he, he definitely does not accept or tolerate um, you know, pre Madonna's or, or anything of that nature. So he's done a really good job of, of building a culture and then obviously sustaining it. Cause I don't think he's uh, switched up with that, but he's also done a good job of adapting with the types of players, you know, because it's you know, generationally speaking, kids growing up, 15, 16, 17 year olds are different than 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So he's kind of done a good job of blending old school with also, you know, kind of how guys, um, I think in this day and age, um, kind of prefer to be coached. But For he's sure. definitely a, a stickler and, and you know, a really, really good coach. Though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I'd like to guess that at least 50% of our audience is like rabid Dallas Christian fans. So they're really going to enjoy you being on here and you bringing back memories of DC, just pummeling everyone in D2. Y'all's fans are crazy, man. I've said that before, but like I could say 50 good things and one bad thing about Dallas Christian and I will get hounded to no end about the one <laughs> bad thing. But I, I appreciate the passion. It's something that I really deeply respect. Ryan, do you have anything else you want to ask Palmer before we get into these games? I think y'all asked stuff about your school. So I have to ask about my school. Um, I went to legacy Christian Palmer and I think they're literally, I mean, there's nothing I can really say that would have, would have gone with Dallas Christian and legacy. I think every year it was just Dallas Christian beats legacy in playoffs. And I think that was the end of the end of our, our span, every uh, playoff um, playoff time. But I, I guess I think I'll ask because our junior year team would have been the best team. So with well, a fall of uh, fall of 2018 would have probably been that one. And I think honestly in that year, uh, I, I have to assume we played Dallas Christian first round every single year. It, it seemed like, but whether it be that year or any other year, do you remember any of those legacy Christian games? And do you remember just stomping us that first round of all those years? Um, I absolutely remember legacy Christian. Uh, so I was want to say my third or fourth game, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, playing as a freshman, and that, so I remember that one uh, particularly. And then I kind of remember the last one because there was this, you probably remember him. I, I think he was like a 6'6 six, six tight end or something that I was tasked with manning up pretty much the whole game. And so that was kind of a big challenge for me at the time. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a quote unquote guy on your team or in your district. Um, you know, in high school, a lot of times it's kind of rare for there kind of be a moment where like, hey, you got to step up and kind of out of your comfort zone. A lot of the times you're kind of just riding that high of like, hey, I know, you know, what I'm capable of and, and just kind of being comfortable. Uh, but that was, you know, being tasked with covering a guy that was significantly taller than me, you know, had seven, eight inches on me um, at the time. That that definitely stuck out to me. And um, yeah, I want to say we played y'all every single year of my career. It, it seemed like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and then I, I think the other question I was going to ask real quick before we get into the picks is, uh, well, uh, this is probably a question that I, I, a lot of people would know, wonder um, that are Dallas Christian fans, but what do you think was that hardest team that you ever played in high school? And the hardest team that you think you ever played, whether that be a non-district district, is there a game or a team that stuck out to you that you thought like really was the toughest competition you played at played against? Mm-hmm. I would have to be my – oh, go ahead. I, I'm going to guess it's the team down in Cedar Hill, or is it a different one? Well, that would definitely be the toughest district opponent. Um, right. 
whether it be legal or not. Uh, <laughs> after, I don't know, two, three years, and the kind of cat was out of the bag, but we were all of us juniors and seniors that were part of that losing in the semis, you know, it didn't sit too well because we were kind of thinking, well, it's a couple years too late. But yeah. uh, anyways, I would have to say Bishop Dunn, which was my first uh, mm. career game. And it was back when they were loaded with, I want to say, 13 Division One commits, maybe more. 13 is minimum. Like, it could have very easily been 15 or 16. Yeah. And so I was I was 14 at the time. And that was my first high school experience. Like, the last time I played was on a middle school field. So that was uh, quickly thrusted me into the varsity role. And um, really just shell-shocked. Like, I want to say they're – quarterback was committed to like an old miss or something like that the receiver was committed to Oklahoma state just freak athletes everywhere and you know being five ten and a half five eleven one eighty at the yeah. time playing linebacker versus you know 220 pound running back huge lineman um like we got that year we went to state and i want to say we 12 and one or 13 and one going into the state game versus Parrish. And the first game of the season was uh, Bishop Dunn. And I think we lost like 52 zero or something. Wow. Like that was, yeah. Oh. So that was definitely the toughest game I would say I played, but it was kind of nice because I went into it. Like after that game, I told myself and it, it, it rang true, which, which was that, you know, I'm never going to have to play a game that hard again. I got it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, there was I'd never there was never another game like that in my career, so it was kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way of looking at it. It's funny you say all that stuff about Cedar Hill. I actually wrote an article doing a deep dive on what it was like to play against them that we put on our website earlier this year. And it just like it was very fun to write about the rise and then subsequent fall of Cedar Hill. It's uh it could really be turned into a reality show. And I think Max Preps already turned it into a reality show, but you can go watch that if you want. That's not our job here. Moving yeah. on into <laughs> the games of the week. <laughs> The first game we're going to start with, Houston-St. Thomas versus Houston-Kincaid. On Friday, Kincaid will travel to St. Thomas in a battle of the birds of prey. Kincaid secured a huge win last week, a 44-31 comfort behind victory against Second Baptist. Micah Bell does it all for the Falcons and is a Power 5 prospect for a reason. St. Thomas has one of the best offenses in the state, featuring Dante Lewis, Shaper Henderson, Luke Edgecombe, and Johan Cardenas. You know, Kincaid made me look like a fool in more ways than one last week. But I am nothing if not stubborn. St. Thomas is an absolute wagon and impossible to pick against. Give me the Eagles in this contest. Walker Lott, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, Kincaid proved us, proved us wrong last week, Wes, big time. But, yeah. um, and, you know, Micah Bell is that guy, probably the best athlete in all private school this year. But I, I think balanced-wise, you got to go St. Thomas. I think overall top to bottom at every position i think st thomas is just the real deal and you know dante lewis and johan cardenas are going to be those guys leading that team over uh kincaid this week so give me st thomas that would be two for st thomas ryan schroeder your thoughts yeah i picked micah bell and kincaid last week um and i was the only one right on the podcast about that i i, I had a strong feeling about Micah Bell, and I really do think Micah Bell uh, is is yeah that one of the best um, in all private school. 
but I'm, I'm going to go against Micah Bell and Kincaid here, and I'm actually going to go with St. Thomas just because I really do feel like St. Thomas is that team. Um, St. Thomas hasn't lost a game yet, and I really don't see them losing a game for a while. So, um, yeah, give me St. Thomas here. Uh, I just think overall just they're, they're one of, like, those top three, top four schools in all of private school. So I think they're over Kincaid in this game. Okay, Palmer, I'm going to give some background before you give your pick. There's a phenomenon that happens that every time that all of us pick a certain team and nobody picks the other team, um, we get screenshotted and then people tweet that graphic at us and basically clown us. So I'm going to kind of beg you to pick Kincaid here, but you are free to make your own pick. What are you taking in this game? Well, I hate to let you down, Wes, but I'm going with St. Thomas. Um, You know, bring on bring on the, all the animosity from Kincaid, <laughs> but they're not going to be screenshot because Houston St. Thomas are going to win. They're 4-0. Um, they scored 42 in all four of their games, and I don't see them slowing down, so I'm going with St. Thomas. Dude, you could you could be on this podcast. I like yeah, the, that, the flair that, that, for the traumatic. That sounded really good, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that scares the ever-living daylights out of me that we have four teams on St. Thomas, but that is how it goes. Second game, we're going to preview Munster Sacred Heart at Lubbock Christian. And what could be the best Division Four game of the season? Sacred Heart is red hot after knocking off four-time defending state champion St. Paul and the next big thing, the next game, Weatherford Christian. Junior athlete Ryan Swarzynski leads the Tigers with help from Clayton Benzer, Gus Ganson, and others. Lubbock Christian is led by senior quarterback slash safety backs Townsend and have been on a tear so far this season. They open district by clipping Waco Riker 56 to nothing last week and look to upend Sacred Heart this week. Here's the thing. I've picked against Sacred Heart twice this year, and I've been wrong twice. Only an absolute imbecile would do the same thing a third time. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And if you talk to anyone that knows me well enough, they'd probably classify me as insane. Give me love at Christian in this game. Walker Lott, your thoughts. Wow. I did not expect that from you, man. Um, <laughs> you see, I actually, for the, we haven't talked about Lubbock Christian a lot this year, Wes, just because, you know, I mean, they're up in Lubbock, so you don't get to talk about teams up there a lot, but you got to give them credit with the big four wins they've had so far. I actually got the saw. I went to uh, George's in Waco after my game, I had to go cover and I saw some of the Lubbock Christian fans there and including the Bax Townsend family. Uh, I know y'all listen sometimes, so shout out to y'all. Very amazing people. um, Great, great people up there in Lubbock. But um, I guess we forgot, man, that Lubbock Christian was truly like a top five private school team in D3 last year that just lost to a better TCS Lubbock team. But they're still really, really good, and they still have a quarterback last year in Bax Townsend who came back this year and just lit it up. And for that reason, I'm going to give it I'm going to pick Lubbock Christian in that one. I forget how good this Bax Townsend kid is and the athletes like Brady Simmons, who supposedly has been on a tear these past couple of weeks, um, expect big things from those guys. Um, and the Eagles, I believe, up in Lubbock. The Eagles would be correct. Ryan Schroeder, I, I now know who you're going to pick based on you sneaking away to grab what you grabbed. Who are you taking in this matchup? You know, it's so funny. You don't know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you didn't. I think I did. Um, no, Uh so basically last year, I, you know, I was a big fan of Lubbock Christian. I picked Lubbock Christian a lot of games and I, I honestly am a big, uh, 
you know, Bax Townsend fan. I, I, I think this Lubbock Christian team is very, very solid. Uh, whenever they moved down to D4, I, I thought that that was kind of just like a DC moving down type of thing where it's like, you're really going to move down a team that that caliber. Um, but I am a Ryan Straczynski fan. So this is kind of like a battle of both ends in this game. Um, and as much as I was on the side of Ryan Straczynski and I, how much of a, a true caliber player he is, I do have to pick if my Lee Corso style here, I do have to pick Lubbock Christian here just because I think mm-hmm. in this game, Lubbock Christian get, uh, will take down Sacred Heart, but I think Sacred Heart could still have an amazing rest of the season. And uh, I don't think there's a lot of teams that could get in their way except for just this Lubbock Christian team. Well stated. So that is three for Lubbock Christian. Uh, Palmer, you already know our spiel on the jinxing the games, but who are you going to take in this matchup? I have to apologize once more, Wes. Oh, uh, I got Lubbock Christian. Um, you know, I think it's no doubt that they both have high, pretty high-powered offenses if you look at the box scores uh, for both of their games thus far. Um, but I'm going to have to give Lubbock Christian the edge. And I think them moving down from being a top-five team in Division Three um, to now being a part of the Division Four, even though Sacred Heart, I believe, was in the state championship last year and lost. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm still going to give Lubbock Christian the edge. Bro, you I mean, really did do your prep. I got to salute you for that. I mean, hey, we got to think about this, Wes. Like, uh, we we're going Lubbock, but Munster is going to put up a fight. Like, it's oh, not going to be. That's why oh, that that that's why this yeah. terrifies me. This is the second straight game we're all four on the same side of, and honestly, I could see it happening in the next uh, the next game as well. So, uh, yeah, we're playing with fire here. Game number three. What were you going to say, Walker? No, I mean, just those two wins over Shiner and Weatherford. I mean, they're on a hot streak of beating some of the best teams in D four. But see, yeah, just, let's let's just, keep going. Just don't think about it. It'll be easier. Third game, John Cooper at Cistercian. Cooper started out district play strong last week with a 60-3 route of Oak Ridge after slipping up against TWCA to start the season. Cooper's rattled off four straight wins, scoring 50-plus in three of them and never allowing more than 14 points. The Dragons have a myriad of talent, including Vaughn McKeever, Dean Calhoun, Keeler Sullivan, and will have a powerful offense without a doubt and a stout defense. However, they will meet their toughest district test this week when Cistercian rolls into town. Coach James Burke, James Burke, quarterback Dan O'Toole, wide receiver Michael Peterman, linebacker Noso Unini, and safety J.P. Ropolo will try to prove to SBC 3A that they are the premier team and not the Dragons. This is another agonizing game for me to pick because both of these teams are virtually equal in my opinion, and it's so hard to differentiate. However, I'm rolling with the Dragons here. You know, I really like Coach DeHaven, Vaughn McKeever, some of these kids they brought in. I think they rebounded very nicely following that TWCA slip up. I think Cistercian is a great team and Cooper's toughest test for sure. But if you make me pick here, I'm going to say Cooper. Walker, your thoughts? I'm going to pick John Cooper in this one as well. I think the big difference maker in this game is going to be Dean at Calhoun. The man, the 2025 athlete, has all, are almost 500 rushing yards this year with eight touchdowns. I mean, this kid is going to be the real deal in the next couple of years, just mark my words. And I think he's going to be the difference maker of how shifty, how athletic, and just the versatile player that he is on the field. So in that, uh, they're always going to throw the ball and Vaughn McKeever is going to get his. But I really think this man is going to be the difference maker in this game. So give me John Cooper. Interesting, interesting. Ryan, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think John Cooper should be 5-0 and right now, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I know Cistercian beat my Legacy Eagles, and Cistercian 
um, is a, definitely a really, really good team this year. There's nothing else more to say about Cistercian than they are a talented team and they are that uh, they are that second team in SBC 3A, but the team that is above them is John Cooper. Um, you know, this is the championship matchup from last year that I saw. Um, and obviously I saw Von McKeever. I saw Jackson Pierce, who is now gone, but I saw Von McKeever in action with John, John Cooper. I know how good he is. I know how good this offense for John Cooper is. And they have some really good wins this year. Cypress Christian, they have a win against uh, uh, a really blowout win against Oak Ridge. And Oak Ridge has some good wins this year. I mean, this is a John Cooper team that is, is very very special um although i think this game will be close um and i think you could see this matchup uh in, in if i can do my math right you can see this matchup in like four or five weeks from now so in the state championship i hate I, I do say this with all sincerity um john cooper is just that team so i have john cooper in this one over assertion um and i actually i actually no, I'm John Cooper. John Cooper in this game. Sorry. I'm Ooh, yeah. he, he was gonna say something, Wes. He was gonna say hmm. something. Boys, we are not doing a very good job of hedging our bets here, and it's starting to scare me. Palmer, for the last pick, your thoughts on John Cooper for Sturgeon. You know, I hate to follow a trend here, but I also want to go with my gut. And my gut tells me, uh, John Cooper. I think um obviously for all the reasons that y'all have listed, but I also think that. Uh, you know, it's no secret it's going to be a close game and that they both have pretty high-powered offenses. But I think John Cooper has, you know, a little bit more of an edge in terms of that and uh, playmakers. But also, I think they have a little bit more stout defense. Uh, so I think that'll probably come come in the clutch for them and, um, you know, kind of fourth quarter, it's a one-possession game or, or even tied. I think uh, the defense will be able to hold up. And so I give uh, John Cooper the edge. I'd have to agree with that. I don't know if we've ever had everyone on the same side through three games. So this is a little bit unprecedented in the history of this podcast, but we'll see if that trend continues over our next two games. Fourth game, Bel Air Episcopal at Episcopal School of Dallas. And the battle of the Episcopals is going to be very difficult to anticipate, in my opinion, who takes this game. Bel Air Episcopal comes into the contest averaging 32.4 points per game and allowing 18 with athletes such as Carson Gordon, Lane Leinbarger, Andre Thompson, and Maddox Morgan. Episcopal is going to field an elite team week in and week out that can compete with anyone in the state. Looking at ESD, who Ryan got to cover last week, the Eagles are averaging 39 points per game and allowing 15. Between Patrick Burke, Andrew Carey, Blair Brennan, the Eagles have coasted through their non-district slate undefeated. To be honest, I could flip a coin here and be okay with whoever that coin chooses, but it's not how we do things here. And if you're forcing me to take a side, I'm going to have to take Bel Air Episcopal. You know, mm -hmm. it could be familiarity bias. It could be because I've seen firsthand how good Bel Air Episcopal is, but I really do think uh, with Carson Gordon, Lane Linebacker, Andre Thompson, I think that their offense – competes with anyone in the state i think esd is good i think bel-air has a slight edge here walker your thoughts this is a close one man this is this is going to be a really good dog fighting um and esd has no has no in in regular season they saw him last year they went 10 and 0 in the regular season this year they look really really good um i think i'm i don't want to do it but i think i'm gonna get a bel-air here man that parish close game just gets me man Having a being a seven point game with Parrish just it just it, it, it makes me gravitate towards the Knights. I think like Carson Gordon, like you said, Wes is the real deal. 
I really like Madden Morgan. I love Andre Thompson. You know, the speed that he brings is just impressive. And I'm going to go the Knights in this one, man. This is, this, it's a tough pick and it's hurting me, but I'm going to go the Knights. Ryan, I really need you to take ESD here. And I'm hoping you will because you are more familiar with them. Your thoughts on this game. No, my, my exact point was going to be right with Walker on this one. I mean, you have to realize that this Bale Air team was only seven points away from Parrish. It, it, it's, it's a game that, uh, no, no one else has really become that close to Parish, even private or public. You know, obviously South Oak Cliff, whatever. But no one. This is Bel Air. This is Bel Air right here that only lost by seven points. This is the number, you know, two, three team in all of uh, private school. I mean, this is the team that everybody knows as being the top dog. A team that we knew preseason was going to be really, really good. Um, but yeah, I just saw ESD. Just saw Patrick Burke. I just saw that entire team. I know how that team is. They're actually insanely tall they're really big um i a, a team that honestly is kind of frightening to play against but yeah man i got bel-air here and i i think it's more just the reality of like the esd has good wins the liberty wins a very good win um the, the great fine faith uh, was a good win I, I just in my opinion i think any team that can go head to head and clash with parish like that uh deserves you know my respect so i got bel-air here all right. Well, I'm becoming increasingly terrified. Palmer, your pick on this game. I'm going with ESD. Ooh. Yeah. I believe they're hosting Bel Air. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. They yeah, are. I've played at uh, ESD a couple times in my career. Um, I think they will pack it out. I think it'll obviously be a, a great environment. And, uh, you know, maybe that crowd noise will affect Bel Air a little bit. Um, yeah. I think all y'all raised good points about especially the parish, I think, being the, the overarching um, point. But, you know, something I kind of learned in college is that sometimes playing that game where you, you know, sit there and go, well, they lost to them by this much, we lost to them by that much. Um, like I mentioned it earlier about uh, obviously different circumstances, but, uh, you know, UT going in and playing Alabama and losing by one and then turn around a week or two later and losing to Texas Tech and no one – would sit there and say Texas, Texas stand a chance for Spanish, you know. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with ESD on this one. You know, I, I do really appreciate that. And yeah, no, it's one of my favorite phrases is that the transitive property does not apply in sports. You know, we use it as a measuring stick sometimes, just kind of as a speculative tool. But, you know, really, it doesn't matter until those two teams get on the field and play each other. And we'll see that for sure come Friday. And in the last game, and surely Palmer's favorite game to pick, it is going to be Dallas Christian at Fort Worth Christian. In a battle of undefeateds, D.C. will attempt to knock off a fifth and final higher division team when they take on Fort Worth Christian on Friday. The Eagles are going to be a tough test with the likes of quarterback Hogan Nelson, wide receiver Jacob Trimble, and running back linebacker Luke Anderson. They will look to stomp D.C. and establish themselves as a premier team in TAPS D2. Lining up across from them, the Chargers will try to best the Cardinals for a second straight year. You know, the usual suspects are going to contribute for the Chargers, so expect big games from Carney, Hernandez, Nettles, Burke, and Nix, Porter, not Palmer. I think a lot of people remember my rant prior to this game last year, and honestly, you can bet your house and your neighbor's house on Dallas Christian again this year. It's certainly worth more money now than it was this time last year. Put everything you own on Dallas Christian in this game and then some. Walker Lott, your thoughts? There's no way you, oh, 
Can I read some stats? Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, you know what? Just go ahead. Shout out to our guys at LSESN. This is going to be the 62nd meeting between Dallas Christian and Fort Worth Christian and the biggest rivalry probably in private school. Um, before the 96 regular season, uh, DC was winning 18 to 14. And overall, the Chargers lead the, lead the thing 41 to 20, going 19 and 4 since 2002. Fourth Christian has won nine straight between 74 and 82. And Coach Wheeler at the helm is 21, or sorry, he is 28 and eight since 1992. But I'm going to pick Fort Worth Christian in this one. Oh, my. You know, one of the coaches, you know, I think added us or something like that and said, pick against DC again. We want it. We want that to happen. And when you want it, and I'll give it to you. And I'm going to pick Fort Worth Christian in this one. I think they've been on a hot streak, man. And, you know, they have put up really good numbers against some really good schools. And technically, they tied in points. Dallas Christian put, put 34 on Bishop Dunn. Fort Worth Christian put 34 on Bishop Dunn. And they allowed less points, 19 to 21 in those games. So because of that, in vice of opponents, the transit property doesn't always work. I'm just giving you my reasoning and everything. I just think, you know, Fort Worth Christian was close last year, right? They were very close. They were hurt here and there. And I think they're going to come back for revenge. So give me Fort Worth Christian in this one. You literally never learn. We were talking about this earlier in this episode. Bishop Dunn, Fort Bend Christian, Bishop Lynch, Nolan Catholic. They've already knocked all those teams off and you're still picking against them. I am. Insanity. Ryan Schroeder. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, West, right now. Do not bet your house on on uh, Dallas Christian to win this. No, game. bet your house and no. your neighbor's house. No, 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 <laughs> no. You should not. You really shouldn't. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, it it's it's a lot different this year. A fourth Christian is just a better team this year than they were last year. All the guys are older. All the guys are stronger. All the guys are better. I'm telling you that it's just in all reality, fourth Christian is a much better team this year. However. This is Dallas Christian, and I cannot believe I keep picking against them. So I, 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 I can't do it again. I know how good Dallas Christian is, and honestly, if you haven't learned anything, Walker, the transfer property doesn't work. We just learned that Palmer just told us that uh, it doesn't work. So we have to assume here that just because you know the Bishop Dunn went game went one way, went another, it's not going to go that way. I have Dallas Christian here, but what I will say is, Fort Christian's fans traveled traveled the Great Fine Faith. To then stand on the side of the field and scream at the players like no other. I'm telling you right now, Fort Worth Christian is going to pack out this entire place at, at, at Fort Worth Christian. And, you know, if DC travels, DC travels. But I'm telling you, Fort Worth Christian is nuts, dude. Their fans are nuts. And if they allow the sideline access that Great Fine Faith allowed, they're so much closer to you. They're so much in your face. Like, I don't know. I have Dallas Christian in this game, though. You know, if Fort Worth Christian fans are nuts, then D.C. fans are clinically insane. I can tell you that for a fact. They are going to show out without a doubt. Palmer Nix, this game needs no introduction for you. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, you know, this might come across as a little bit of a surprise, but I'm going to have to go with Dallas Christian in this one. Uh, I think, I think uh, as you mentioned, it's going to be one heck of an atmosphere. Fourth Christian's absolutely going to pack it out. I played there uh, once in middle school and two times at least in high school. And um, that's definitely something that stuck out to me the most is that it's going to be they're probably going to do a blackout game. Um, it's going to be pretty rowdy in there. 
but I think you know it might take a little bit of adjusting. Hopefully, uh, Dallas Christian gets off to a fast start. But I think um, it's kind of a, a three-headed monster when you look at it between um, Carney when he plays so poised as a sophomore. Um, I think going in and winning the state championship his freshman year and being as involved as he was, um, and not just kind of a game manager, uh, but having a, a real impact. I think George uh, Willard had to make plays. Um, obviously, Will Nettles is a freak athlete, and you just need to get the ball to him and uh, get him in space. And then you got, you know, I think the very dominant uh, Zach Hernandez, who you know looks like a like a power back and like a goal line back, but he'll sit there and run someone over. But he's also incredibly shifty and, and very quick. Um, and then obviously running behind, like y'all mentioned, the Bulls and um, Porter and and Cole. Uh, so I think that that makes up for kind of the offensive side of things for Dallas Christian. And I think they'll be able to continue to have success and, and uh, won't, won't be a problem finding the end zone. And then I think, uh, you know, games are won and lost in the turnover battle a lot of times. And if they could just get one or two turnovers, I think that really helps see the, seal the deal and be the biggest difference maker, whether it be a pick or a fumble or a turnover on downs. But I, I really do think uh, it'll be a close one. But I got Dallas Christian probably like, by about touchdown, maybe two. I want to. I want to ask uh, one thing. I just want to say. I think the Jacob Trimble versus Will Nettles battle as a wide receiver DB is going to be fun to watch. That's going to be a highlight. Just money, pay, popcorn ready type of action. I also want to ask. Like we know, this is probably one of the better rivalries in private school, Palmer. Like, how is it playing in this game? Like, what does it mean to those guys? Oh, I think especially for the guys that have been there and, and, and through middle school and, and on, uh, which probably makes up about half the team maybe at Ellis Christian, I would say, uh, just shooting from the hip. Um, it means a lot because um, that's something, you know, you grow up playing in the middle school. Uh, you hear about the history. Um, I think the pep rallies have a little extra zing to them. And uh, there's definitely a feeling of, of animosity between the two schools, especially whenever you hear about stories back in the 90s and early 2000s and, I don't know. I think there's just something kind of intangible and, and innate that's built in within this rivalry in this game. And I think it means everything. It means, you know, to me, that was always this, it was a taste of playoffs, uh, but in week three and week four. And so um, I think it's going to be one heck of a matchup. And, you know, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm not too happy that I'll be in a hotel in Fort Worth uh, Friday night. I wish I could be there, but, uh, People definitely should tune in and, and keep track of that game. It'll be a good one. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, just hearing that talk about rivalries and animosity gets my blood pumping a little bit. I mean, those are memories you never really shake. They stay with you, you know, kind of for the rest of your life. I mean, they were very pivotal parts in playing football in high school. But with that being said, that's actually all that we have to go over today. Palmer, is there anything else that you want to say or get off your chest before we get out of here? No, man, I just appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, I look forward to doing this again in the future, maybe come around playoff time or something like that. But uh, I really enjoyed it, man. Thank y'all for having me on. Absolutely. You know, I'll say this without any kind of BS. You were a fantastic guest. And, again, you did, I think, more research going to the game than any guy we've had on so far. So thank you. Thank you for coming on and shooting the stuff with us. But this has been the Texas Private School Podcast. I have been your host, Wes Tolleson. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have excellently been themselves. Palmer Nix has been a fantastic guest. We will have his socials in the show notes below. Please go follow him and keep up with his journey in football. We will see you in the next episode. See you later.
Three, two, one. Here we go! 